1: 18-
2: By April 1946, the city of Texarkana was reeling from the murders of four young people and the attack of two others. The first three attacks had taken place on the Texas side of Texarkana, but that would all change on May 3, 1946. As authorities deal with another set of murders and no solid suspects, the citizens of Texarkana were left to fear the madman in their midst. Join us as we continue our discussion of the Texarkana Phantom Killer and dive into the darkness, one crime at a time. Hello and welcome to One Crime at a Time. I'm your host Shannon with me, as always, my sister from the same Mister Chris (laughs) Lantina. Hey everybody. That's what I used to call her when we were little. (laughs) (laughs) So I just thought I'd throw that out there.
0: (laughs) You found that very amusing. What's up, Chris Lantina? Not much. What's up with you? I just live in the dream. I had a week off and didn't do shit. Well, I didn't
2: have a week off, and I worked my ass off. But you know, well, that's well, that's every week. I I didn't. I had something special happen to me the other night. If y'all, if you would like to hear it, what? So I I got another piercing in my left ear, and this time I got like a really really small earring and a little stud. And of course, it's not fully healed yet because I just got it like a couple of weeks ago.
0: You don't need any more holes in your.
2: Head. I know. <laughs> I've got too many. So I was in the shower night before last, you know, and I had my bath cloth and I was just washing behind my ears, you know, trying to get clean. And apparently my rag got caught on my, on the back of my earring and it pulled the entire earring through my ear from the front to the back. So I had to like, and it hurt like a motherfucker. I imagine you did. <laughs> So I had to push it back through to the front. <laughs> Dumbass. So I'm, these headphones that I've got right now on my ears,
0: I just want you to know that it, it, it really hurts. You need to take, no, you need to, uh, did you take the earring out? No. You I need to take it I out. I don't want to take it out. I need to, to stay take, there. I needed, you have to take it out. I just pushed it back through. No, you need to take it out. <laughs> I just
2: pushed it back through. You need to take it out. <laughs>
0: I'm telling you now, we're gonna. I'm gonna ride this out. Let that heal up, because you have in, you have majorly injured that ear, and then go get it redone. It hurts bad, but we're gonna. Uh, well, that's because it's <laughs> not gonna heal. It's gonna heal up around that earring. You need to take it out. Well, it'll be all right. No, it. Won't. I'll look at it when we get out of here. But I'm just. But right now, it's just. It really hurts. Oh, uh, so well. If you take the earring out, it wouldn't hurt as bad. <laughs> if you'll come here. I'll take it. I'm out playing hurt, guys.
2: No, I'm just playing. I mean, it really does hurt, but it'll be all right. So, I just thought I would. You hear
0: that? That's the world's smallest violin. Because <laughs> it wouldn't hurt as bad if you'd take the <laughs> earring out. But I need it. Or my hole will grow up. You need the hole to grow up and go get it redone. <laughs> because what's going to happen is it's going to grow around that but earring. You know, that's going to be another hundred bucks. <laughs> it's going to be more when they have to cut that earring out. <laughs>
2: Well, we'll just see how it plays out uh yeah, I'll keep everybody updated. It'll be fun okay
0: <laughs> it'll, it'll be a good time, y'all keep in mind. I told her <laughs>
2: well, you are on the record, okay, everybody heard you America you actually heard the it. world the world heard you, you
0: heard it, not just America. We're actually doing really well in Australia for some reason. I, I don't like Australia. <laughs> I Australia, don't know why, but I have it. always wanted to go to Australia. Yeah,
2: they're in um Great Britain, so thanks yeah. guys.
0: I've always wanted to go over yeah. there. Um, Canada.
2: United States. Doing really well on us. Yeah. So
0: Thanks yeah. everybody. Yes. I haven't ever been to Canada yet. I went to Canada
2: one time by accident. <laughs> she got and lost <laughs> and I almost and crossed my, the border, and I didn't
0: have any ID with me or anything and they she almost went to and jail. And they didn't want to let me back in the in the United States. <laughs> She, she almost became a Canadian citizen. I was almost <laughs> because, stuck in Canada. <laughs> because she got lost. I accidentally went to Canada. <laughs> this is why you don't let Shannon drive when you're traveling. You'll get stuck in another country. <laughs> For the record, I wasn't the one driving, but I wasn't any help. I'll put it that way. But yeah, hey, I, she was probably supposed to be reading the map. I did get stuck
2: in. I almost. I went to Canada accidentally one time. So,
0: there's that. there's a lot of places I, I want to go. A lot of places <laughs> left in the United States I still want to yeah. go because this is a big country and it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you for that commentary. <laughs> You're welcome. Drive, people, quit flying. <laughs> You can drive to Canada. Canada's beautiful. You can drive to Alaska. From what I've seen (laughs) of. Not a very good road, but you can drive to Alaska. (laughs) That's not another country. (laughs) No, but you have to go through another country to get there. Okay, now that today's ge that was geography with Shannon and Christina. All right, so we need to
2: get started because today's episode is going to be another long one. Of course. Well, I can't help it. There's just stuff people need to know about these cases, and I feel that it's my
0: job to tell them. Your p- job? i my, my, to say my position. But then I halfway through
2: it realized that it didn't make sense. It's her p- job. <laughs>
0: That's a new word we've invented. Halfway through that, I realized it didn't make any sense. (laughs) We have intertwined position and job, so now it's a (laughs) pajab. I shifted gears there halfway through the word.
2: So, um, I need to tell you also that today's episode is presented by Podgo. We would very much appreciate it. We are also brought to you by our subscribers on Patreon. Yes. You guys rock. We love you. Thank you so much. If I'm, you doing,
0: lo- I'm doing a little dance for y'all.
2: You <laughs> that can't that see, see. If you would like to help support the show, you can for as little as a dollar a month. We have several levels that include access to our exclusive Patreon feed, mini sods, merchandise, and commercial-free episodes. So, yep. you can go check that out if you so desire. Now, it's time... Once again, for Christina's favorite part of the show, it's the weekly
0: review. Yay! Dun, 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 dun. I it's like one this because this is where we get to hear from you. <laughs> yep.
2: Yeah. this comes from Eugene Isbell. Eugene Isbell. Yes. Okay. And I think that we may have had one from Eugene before. Maybe I'm thinking about another Eugene. But anyway, we've had a Eugene. I, I we've know. had a Eugene. The same yeah. Guy. Says these chicks are crazy.
0: Yeah, we know. <laughs> Thank
2: you. I love the hosts. The fact that they are sisters definitely comes across in the conversations. They delve into the facts, and the discussions are insightful and sometimes hilarious.
0: Sometimes.
2: <laughs> sometimes. Thanks to them, I know to make sure my kids stay off of roofs. LOL. <laughs> see,
0: see? This is the wait, public service announcement. Don't let your kids roll off the roof. Don't let
2: them play on the roof. Keep them off. That's a, throwback to our solder children episode yes. if you haven't heard that go check that out thank you eugene we appreciate it yes, Appreciate thank you. you so to our story when we left off last week we had three young couples that had been attacked in texarkana texas with four of those being murdered after the second set of murders occurred the citizens of course were in a total state of fear and within hours of the discovery of the bodies of Betty Joe Booker and Paul Martin on that Palm Sunday. The city was in just a rare state of tension. Okay. I mean they were used to crime and stuff in Texas yeah, but, but not yeah. You
0: know,
2: they weren't used to this type of This is new. Yeah, this is new stuff. This
0: is new crime on top of the old
2: crime. <laughs> new crime we aren't used to.
0: Old we crime we can bring, deal with. Bring
2: back the old days. <laughs> <laughs> we need old day. We need oldie day crime. Then <laughs> we need crimes from the olden days. Now, fear of the night rose in a way that none had experienced before. People there started um, keeping their window shades up and started locking their doors. Because before this, even with the crime that was going on, they still didn't feel the need to lock their doors. But after these four murders, they're like, hey, we might need to lock our doors. But did teenagers
0: and young couples stop going out parking? Well, I'm about to talk about that. Okay? Okay. (laughs) Okay. people who had never owned
2: weapons before, bought guns or improvised yeah, Okay, stop
0: right there. What? This is Texas. You can't tell me that <laughs> then people out there did not own a gun. <laughs> Liar. Well, I'm just saying that there maybe if there had been somebody that didn't have a gun, maybe on the Arkansas maybe. side. Maybe. But,
2: but they any, anyway, guns were purchased in the They just
0: bought more They bought guns. more guns, okay?
2: Or they improvised by keeping knives or clubs nearby.
0: Okay. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I've always wondered these people, like on movies, when someone breaks into their house, they get a baseball bat. If these people got a gun, buddy, that a bat ain't going to do nothing.
2: Yeah, but you can sneak up on them with a bat and just knock them out.
0: But what if you can't?
2: But you could. But what if you you could? (laughs) (laughs) It never worked. (laughs) (laughs) Arkansas State Trooper Max Tackett. You remember we talked about him.
0: Yeah. He... Now, why is the Arkansas State Trooper coming over to Texas to? Well, this is just him being
2: interviewed in the year. In this the is just him years. telling
0: everybody what he thinks. Yeah.
2: Well, this there's a reason he's involved in this case, and this these interviews came at a later date. But okay. He said, "Quote: People armed themselves and were quick to shoot. The biggest danger for a policeman was the chance of getting shot by good citizens. It was just risking death to go out there in civilian clothing." <laughs> Unquote. <laughs> A visiting hardware salesman told Thomas Perky that his Dallas-based company's warehouse had been depleted of handguns and rifles within three days of the Spring Lake Park murders. Now, this was when you could still buy a gun at a hardware store, yeah, and and
0: auto shop stores because Mama used to work at an auto shop store, and you could that's the where, Western Auto, and that's where she um bought some of our Daddy's guns yeah. when he was still alive.
2: Now, all of those guns went to Texarkana from that one warehouse in three, within three days. I think
0: they did that on purpose. (laughs) They're like,
2: hey, time to ship some guns to
0: Texarkana. You know, these people in Texas, they take advantage of this and can make some cachiola. That is why they had more purchase of guns. I mean, they're available. Why not buy them? Yeah. Safety of young people
2: became paramount in the minds of men and women over the city, especially among those who had children. And within days, the entire town appeared to be in a consensus about implementing a curfew.
0: They weren't worried about their kids before? Well,
2: I guess they were extra special worried about them now. Oh,
0: okay. Now now it's... Let me guess. They let them play on the roof. We've got... Yeah. Before this, there was roof play going on everywhere. (laughs) Now they can't play on the roof.
2: The Texarkana Teen Canteen, which is the best name for a little cafe ever, the Texarkana Teen, teen canteen. canteen, that changed its hours and provided adult escorts to each youth's car. So, well,
0: you weren't get they a- all killed in their car though? Yeah. So, is that really going to make a difference? Well, it's, it's, they're just being careful. Well, when they left here, we escorted them <laughs> to their car. <laughs> we they, they left here about fine. It.
2: It's not our problem. What happens See, they're, after they're, that. They're
0: covering their own it's ass. Way.
2: <laughs> the Paramount Theater canceled its midnight movie. Oh man! Yeah, they all like the midnight movie. Yeah, but you can't go to a midnight movie now. And the Texarkana Ministerial Alliance adopted a resolution to petition both city councils to close all public places of amusement on midnight sat- at midnight on Saturdays. So they didn't want anybody out past midnight. Okay. On the weekends. Okay. It was a scary time for
0: youngsters.
2: I thought I was calling them youngsters. Because <laughs> <of laughs> you're so old. <laughs> That's like the other guy, the other day, this little guy that, at work, I had to call him for something. I don't remember what it was, but he called me ma'am. Ma'am. Yeah. I'm not ready to be a ma'am yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: So just, I in, won't a, even just let, in the side, I won't even let my kids on the bus call me like Miss <laughs> Medley. I'm like, no, y'all can call me Miss, but call me Miss Chris, because <laughs> that Miss Medley stuff, I'm yeah, not old I, enough for that. I'm don't. I'm not i not ma'am age, am I? Well, I mean, for somebody I mean, like probably Waylon I, and Emma's age, yeah, but not, oh, not you know, someone like, like in like, their twenties, yeah, no.
2: He, well, he just graduated college and I'm a ma'am. <sighs> Well, I mean, technically, just... I could be his mom. I mean, he's just being nice. I mean, not even technically. Like, I could really, like... With
0: Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo when we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: I could have a child. I could have married and had a child his age. I could have a lot of. Oh my gosh. Okay, maybe I am ma'am age. I'm sitting here trying to.
0: I just. Okay, I'm gonna not put hold po- 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 on somebody. Twitter
2: is Shannon ma'am age. <laughs>
0: Somebody who's in their twenties now, I would say somebody like in their teens, but and I'm saying younger, they could yeah. he could be my kid. He so could
2: be, but if I had a
0: kid and they had
2: friends and stuff, I mean they would be calling me male if my kid was that age, <sighs> never mind, let's just move on. This is depressing me. Teenagers felt as if they were being targeted by the phantom, and I don't know why they would feel that way, but only
0: because teenagers have all been no, there were two that weren't teenagers, yeah they were
2: well, there was a, uh, an older guy who was 27 with the, 29, who was with the 17-year-old. That's right.
0: But maybe they thought he was a teenager. Yeah.
2: And they felt that they were more at risk than the adults. And the paranoia of the parents didn't really do anything well, to maybe, just don't lessen go out their fears.
0: On, don't go out on dark dirt roads parking and maybe you'll be okay. Yeah.
2: If they went anywhere at night, they took guns with them and went
0: in groups. They did that anyway. They did that anyway. I'm (laughs) telling you. And
2: usually, just went to hang out at each other's houses.
0: What if it was one of them doing the killing? (gasps) Were they really safe?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes they'd go to a movie, but always in groups. There was no parking in cars anymore. And numerous mothers who were single or whose husbands were out of town would left their home during that time and would stay at the downtown hotel called the Grimm Hotel. I don't know that I would want to stay there. <laughs> the Grimm. We're going to head on down to the Grimm so we can feel safe. I
0: want to know how that hotel got its name. I'm going to have to look <laughs> that
2: up. I'm assuming maybe it's it's got to be somebody's name. I'm I mean, going to look it up. Why would you name a hotel the Grim Hotel? Well,
0: unless you had a sick sense of humor. Well, I Maybe guess, a lot of murders took place there, and they just changed the name to the Grim Hotel. Because it's just a grim place it's to be. It's just a grim place to be.
2: Now, police were doing all they could to try to find, you know, who was responsible for these attacks. And they were being led by legendary Texas Ranger Captain Manuel Chirazas Lone Wolf Gonzalez. Remember, we talked about him earlier. The Martin Booker murders had brought him and additional rangers to Texarkana for an indefinite stay. As the ranger in charge, he was also the official spokesman, along with Sheriff Bill Presley, for the investigations. And this was a guy who really relished the spotlight.
0: I can only imagine. He really
2: liked being in the spotlight.
0: Gonzalez was soon
2: holding regular press conferences at the downtown Grimm Hotel, which is where he was staying. And explaining his nickname, he once told a reporter, quote, I guess I got that nickname because I went into a lot of fights by myself and I came out by myself too, unquote. Oh my God, are you the
0: most arrogant prick I've ever heard in my life?
2: During his career, he was reputed to have killed as many as 75 men in the line of duty. However, the biographer eventually reduced that number to around 25. That's still too many. Well, Why but it's he... not 75. Okay, but. T- and he's just letting them talk like they're just, it's just stuff he's putting out there to build himself up.
0: Most, most police officers, let's just say in a 30 year career, because most of them. <laughs> Most of them retire after 30 years. Not all of them, but most of them. They never kill anybody. But yet, you're telling me you killed 25? Yes,
2: he killed about 25 people.
0: And he was never investigated? No, he was the long wolf. I don't give a and flip who he is. So,
2: this is a guy who might have been prone to exaggeration, is might have saying. been prone to anger issues, too, if he killed 25
0: people in the line of duty.
2: So, this guy, he was made to order for the reporters. He constantly provided a good copy for the media, and it was said, like I said, that he relished his role and rarely disappointed. He was said to have a sense of the theatrical and knew how to dress and how to pose. He made a promise that the Rangers would not leave Texarkana until officers apprehended the murderer or murderers.
0: I bet he broke that promise or we wouldn't be doing this story. (laughs) How do you know he ever left Texarkana? Is he, I'm gonna, somebody in <laughs> Texarkana, let me
2: know if he's still there. I can, I will tell you later on, but you'll have, I mean, I know the answer to that question, but I'll tell you later. Okay. The Rangers, he's, the Rangers would actually meet secretly in a back room of boyd's pharmacy to plan operations on their own without the knowledge
0: of other law enforcement officers well they did well they it's (laughs) i mean they can't they 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 have done it but they're not supposed to well it doesn't
2: matter you didn't say they could they're not supposed to but they did they had they pretty much had their own investigation going on well apparently they
0: botched it or again we would not be
2: doing this you don't know that this person was never caught. You don't know that. I, I haven't told do. you that yet. You don't know that. Do you? Can you honestly sit there and I
0: tell can me that find you- out <laughs> But right now you don't know. I can find out.
2: <laughs> now one of the Rangers plans they came up with was to set traps for the killer. They came up with the <laughs> idea of friend on
0: the yeah. Scooby Doo. <laughs> Scooby Dooby doo
2: <laughs> Okay, it could, it could have ended it without before the song started. Everybody knows the damn Scooby Doo.
0: But it's just so
2: addicting. So the plan was that a ranger would drive into the countryside to a lonely road where lovers might go. The ranger would have with him a dressed up female mannequin Luring the Phantom into believing he had another easy pair of victims.
0: Apparently the guy's not this that stupid. (laughs)
2: Well, I mean, I guess it is a pretty good idea. The rangers didn't risk borrowing mannequins from a local store. Oh, no, they just
0: went and took one, right? No,
2: they had them shipped in to keep the plan a secret, because they didn't want anybody to know. (laughs) And a tactic soon developed on both sides of town to simulate parked couples in remote parking sites, disguising lawmen as couples, with one as a woman hoping to lure the villain into a trap. So they didn't. They get killed. So they had a, other cops instead of using mannequins. The local law enforcement was sending out two yeah, lawmen and one, one dress and one more <laughs> sense. And one was be dressed as a because female. I'm sorry,
0: people. Even in the dark, you can tell if something's <laughs> a mannequin or not. That, that girl hasn't moved in half an hour. <laughs> wow. You really think he's not watching them before he goes out there? He's gonna stake them out for a few minutes before he just goes running out there. If she hasn't moved, and they haven't touched each maybe other. Maybe he's
2: already killed her.
0: Oh I gosh. ain't going to mess with that shit. <laughs> I'm out of here.
2: So needless to say, those traps didn't work.
0: You think? So they didn't have any luck with, the, with that plan. Stupid police. I can hear him out in the bushes. He's stupid. Did <laughs> they really think I was going to fall for that shit? It ain't like it's a huge town. Hell, I know the police officers... <laughs> Dumbass. and most women don't have mustaches i ain't stupid and they move every once in a while and don't have fake hair <laughs> that guy's got a mop on his head trying to convince me it's a wig. jesus i'm, I'm out of here <laughs>
2: The cops did have a few suspects early on. There was a cab driver who became a suspect after it was reported that his cab was seen in the Spring Lake Park area early the the Sunday morning of the
0: Martin Booker murders. Well, it is a cab. He could have been dropping somebody (laughs) off, I mean. (laughs) Maybe the killer caught a cab. (laughs) Maybe he called a cab because his car wouldn't start. You don't know. (laughs) but still i would think that the cab would have a reason to be there well depends but his alibi
2: soon checked out the dispatch records among other evidence proved that he could not have been near the murder scene at the time of the murders
0: somebody's out to get you dude (laughs) i saw him i seen him out here somebody doesn't like you
2: Now, another suspect was a black man who James Presley just called Sammy in in his book, The Phantom Killer. I could not find his real
0: name anywhere. It was not in the FBI records. Maybe he didn't give it. He didn't want his real name out there. Maybe they
2: didn't. I I didn't see it in any of the reports
0: that I read. Well, he may not have wanted his name in it. Because, I mean, you can give information anonymously.
2: Well, this guy wasn't giving information. He was being asked information. Anyway, he was about 35 years old and had no prior police record. However, there was physical and circumstantial evidence that placed him near where Betty Jo Booker's body had been found. And the most damning of that evidence were casts of car tracks near Spring Lake Park that matched Sammy's tires. Okay.
0: This is a park. Right. I'm I'm not saying this guy didn't do it. Mm Mm-mm because i don't you know but it's a park do you think maybe people might visit the park well, and maybe. if they live away from it they're going to drive there and park their car yeah so i mean there might be a reason well, but, that it's but the police tra-
2: have to check it out
0: yeah but they're saying that that's damning evidence not really well i mean but
2: it's the reason that he was
0: okay that a is suspect. the reason he was a suspect. yes okay one of the biggest reasons i got now, i got you man he, right.
2: he denied being the murderer and was willing to take a polygraph test. He
0: failed. Quit taking these polygraph People, tests. People,
2: I would never take a polygraph test. Ever.
0: Because, I mean, these People know are, my
2: thoughts. Y'all know my thoughts on a polygraph. Well,
0: the first thing is, is they're not 100% accurate because...
2: And anybody, they can't use them,
0: so why do Well, it? not I, that, I but... Mean,
2: you, th- any lawyer will tell you, do not take a polygraph it, test.
0: This guy, being the time that it was... Was hauled into a police station. He was nervous as hell. Yeah. So that's going to pick up on that. So there's no way that that could have been an accurate test. Yeah. So he took it again. A second time.
2: <coughs> and he failed it again. A uh, time. That's a
0: messed up. That was a messed up test. You think? Or he's lying. So he took it
2: a third time. And this time he failed too.
0: But that doesn't mean so, that...
2: <laughs> the police are thinking that they have their man. But Sheriff Presley, he wasn't so sure. Thank you, Mr. Presley. Presley didn't believe in charging a man with a capital crime on the basis of circumstantial evidence. Thank you. Even if a failed polygraph test seemed to back it up. So that's refreshing
0: but for a change. Somebody <laughs> with some sense. Where have you been for this whole... <laughs> Ordeal. Where have you been during this whole podcast? Where have you been (laughs) since the beginning of this podcast? So, Presley decides
2: to have Sammy put under hypnosis, which is another favorite police tool around here. And it's also
0: very controversial because you can, even though they're under hypnosis, which can be done, but you can lead them into getting the answers that you want.
2: So, as it turned out, Sammy was lying.
1: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: It came out during the session that the night of the murders, Sammy and a friend had made some honky tonks. You know what a honky tonk is? Honky tonk. It's a drink with beer and whiskey. Yes. And late that night, Sammy took his buddy home, cutting through Spring Lake Park.
0: Okay, there's nothing wrong with that.
2: Now, on his way back... He stopped by the little road because he had to use the res- use the bathroom. So yeah, he got right out of the, the truck and just used the bathroom.
0: They do it all the time. Right. Men have that liberty. It's <laughs> so much easier for them. Yes.
2: Then he drove to the west side of the park and parked his truck. His married girlfriend lived nearby, and he could see her house from where he was parked. He's a stalker. The light went out, meaning that the husband had left for work. So shortly afterward, Sammy went to the house, talked to the woman. However, his intentions didn't work out like he had planned. So he went home and went to bed.
0: Okay, so he didn't get him any.
2: No. So it turns out he was lying about being near Spring Lake. Park but he wasn't lying about night. killing her. No, he, he was just lying. Jumped- in order to cover up the affair with the right, married woman. Just to say,
0: he didn't want that man to find out he was sleeping with his right. woman.
2: So police were able to corroborate his story so he was cleared. So Thank you. <laughs> so rumors just start flying around town. I mean just crazy stuff. Everybody's on edge. So you Everybody's know, accusing everybody. everybody. Right. There were rumors that the female victims' bodies had been viciously mutilated. There were rumors that the girl's breasts were chewed up. And that their fingers had been gnawed off.
0: Oh no! Why do people? None do of that? which was true, of course. Why do people do that? That was some teenager Yeah, I mean, probably it's just, just trying to gross somebody <laughs> out, and it became truth because people yeah. believe anything.
2: One account had that the killer was already arrested and in custody. Another that he had identified himself and confessed. Again, neither one true. There were also rumors that the phantom had struck again. That a third double murder had been committed, and then that a fourth double murder had How been committed. How about y'all let
0: the police do their job? Yeah, so people and are just... quit worrying about
2: it. <laughs> so people are just spouting off with no real knowledge, and it's creating just an atmosphere... It's just
0: creating havoc. It is. It's creating
2: havoc and panic
0: in a city, and it's overloading the police's time and working the investigation. Right. They can't do what they need to do to catch this guy so he doesn't do it again because mm-hmm. y'all are freaking out. Go they, home, lock your doors, and just <laughs> let it go. So they're having to
2: run down any and all leads, no matter how ridiculous they are. They had two women come forward with information that they said was that they had collected from dreams that they had. Another one... How are they
0: going to go... Co- <laughs> how are they going to go
2: check that out?
0: I want to... I want to know how well, you Well, I mean, they that had to the interview... They got a call, so they had to go interview. Another See, woman people- called... You're taking the time that they could be actually looking for the real killer and looking for real evidence by being stupid. Yeah. Just stop. Don't do that, people, ever. Don't do that. Yeah. Okay. I'm done now. uh, Are
2: you, you sure? Yeah. A man delivering ice at a hotel one Saturday morning found the body of a woman, Mrs. Sue Murray. She was 67 years old and had died from an apparent leap from a fire escape at the hotel. Well, I guess she was scared. Yeah. An investigation revealed that she was in town and apparently despondent because her husband was being treated for a stroke. Now, even this event turned into a rumor that she had jumped out of the hotel window, falling right at Lone Wolf Gonzalez's feet as he started out of the hotel's lobby's door.
0: I'm going to need somebody to do a movie on this. They did a movie on this, really? which we will talk about later. If they add that part into the movie? <laughs> because even though it's not true, that part needs to be in the movie.
2: Well, I mean, for starters, it wasn't
0: even the same hotel that Gonzalez was staying at. It doesn't matter. That part needs to be in the movie because I can just see... Him walking out the door and this body but falling th- at his feet. And yeah. and just looking there down a, like... And
2: then there was another version where he had actually caught her in his arms when he was well coming out of... Well, she him. wouldn't be dead, <laughs> exactly. would she?
0: Dumbasses. Exactly. Don't, we didn't think about that.
2: So my point in telling all this is that the rumors are becoming more and more ridiculous, and they're taking up more and more of the authorities' time and resources.
0: And that's why I said what I said. Yeah. Don't do that. Just just don't. It's yeah. stupid. Then 2 weeks after the Martin Booker
2: murders, Ruth Brian Gabor, a reporter at the Texarkana Gazette, she received a phone call.
0: Uh-oh.
2: Uh-oh. The man suggested he was the phantom. I'm the
0: phantom. That's
2: probably exactly
0: how he said it. That that was actually a recording from the actual phone call. <laughs> I keep you know, you're talking about all this mass hysteria from these rumors and the first thing that popped in my head was the Salem witch trials, yes, people. Yes. Stop and think about yes. when you wanna when you're going through something like that, stop and think about what those people did. Yeah, just calm and down. And it was a all because of mass hysteria. You just calm down a minute. Just calm down. <laughs> Breathe.
2: <sighs> now the man on the phone didn't say much and didn't make any threats. He predicted another weekend crime at the three-week mark, which everybody was, because those, those are the first two murders. All of them happened three weeks apart, so that was what everybody was expecting. Will
0: soon be killing more. <laughs>
2: okay, clip done. He suggested they meet at a specific location. He gave no hint of his identity, and he abruptly hung up. So she tells her boss, Cal Sutton, that this guy wants to meet, and he's like, "Well, no fucking way. You're not going For to meet. Real? No. <laughs> you're not going to meet some strange man.
0: <laughs> just no. called you up on the phone. <laughs> that never ends well. <laughs> Jesus, people. He's, he's like, fuck no. And what is so sad is people still do that today. Well, they want to meet. <laughs> don't know.
2: Now, other reporters also received strange calls, and they had all chalked it up to be a hoax or a practical joke. Police then received a tip that a man had tried to sell a saxophone to a music store in Corpus Christi, Texas on April the 20th, six days after the Spring Lake Park murders.
0: It so had, they, that one little kid who went and got <laughs> the VIN, VIN number.
2: The, yeah, the serial number. It had been, it had taken a while for the Texarkana police to get this report, but it finally reached Texarkana on April the 29th. And as we all know and remember from last episode, Betty Jo Booker's saxophone was missing from the murder scene. Yep. Witnesses said the man had walked into the store and asked an employee if she wanted to buy, quote, an Alto Bundy saxophone. That's kind of
0: specific.
2: He didn't have the saxophone with him, but described it to her. She said that she would have to talk to the manager. Then the man said, quote, what do you have to talk to him about it for? You work here, don't you?
0: Because I don't buy things (laughs) with other people's money, even though that would be nice. If y'all just want to send me money to go shop on Amazon, (laughs) I have got to stay off of Amazon. Jeez.
2: Anyway. So she noticed that he had begun behaving extremely nervous. And when she tried to call the manager, the man abruptly left, disappearing down the street. So. (laughs) (laughs) Now the only place I found this guy's actual name was in FBI reports that were published on the FBI website and they identified the man as Charles Wesley Varble. He was later arrested at a waterfront hotel after he bought a 45 caliber revolver at a pawn shop and when blood they found bloody clothing that turned up during his arrest it was in a bag that he had oh
0: i cut myself shaving yeah so he
2: became a definite suspect yeah, in bang. the booker martin case
0: that's like the best evidence they've got even so if far, it's yeah. not
2: <laughs> but this is blood. this is real this, this is, is a real like lead. real
0: evidence yeah this
2: is a real lead so the police brought brought in the saleswoman to identify yeah. him which she did however police didn't find a saxophone when he was questioned about the bloody clothing, Varble told police that he had gotten in a fight at a, in a bar with a guy and that the guy he was fighting had cut him on the forehead. And that's how his clothes got bloody. No. Now, Captain Gonzalez sent Ranger Joe Thompson to Corpus Christi on Tuesday, April 30th. To check this out. But the arrest failed to yield much and the case against Varble grew weaker. Gonzalez told reporters, quote, everything the man tells us is being checked and double-checked, and everything he has told us this, thus far has been found to be true. He has answered all of our questions without hesitancy, and we are making every effort to find out if he is telling the truth or is c- covering up.
0: But y'all didn't make him do a lie detector test <laughs> three times. Oh. We are convinced that thus
2: far the man has told the truth, unquote. Now, going back to what you just said, I think that was Sheriff um, Presley doing the lie detector on that guy, and I honestly think the reason that he gave him so many lie detector tests was I think Presley believed him from the beginning, and he kept trying to get one that he could pass to clear him so okay, that... Okay, but
0: if you're going to do a lie detector on all the rest of them, why just assume this guy's innocent? I'm not saying he's not Well, they not may have. Innocent. I don't know that they didn't. Okay.
2: Now, by Thursday night, May the 2nd, a thorough investigation of Claude Varble ended in what officers termed, quote, a complete washout,
0: unquote. So it went nowhere. Yeah,
2: Varble's story was found to be completely true. Though he had no saxophone, and officers never revealed why he had tried to sell one. Now, they may have that information, and we don't. Gonzalez, of course, was the first to announce they had cleared Varble of being the phantom. Of course, he got he's always. In front of the he's always the camera. first with the mic. Now, with Varble being cleared, residents of Texarkana just grew more apprehensive because they were they were thinking that this had to be the guy. And as the three week interval between killings approached, they gave even more apprehensive. The phantom had struck in the early Sunday mornings of March 24th and April 14th, exactly three weeks apart. Mm-hmm. And if the pattern continued, that meant the next attack would occur the weekend of Saturday, May the 4th, or Sunday, May the 5th. And so the countdown began. Five, four, dun-dun, <laughs> <laughs> Now, Virgil and Katie Starks, they had grown up together and had known each other all their lives.
0: Aww.
2: He was only a few months older than her. A few minutes. (laughs) A few months. Excuse me. Both were born in 1909. Walter Virgil Starks on April the 3rd and Catherine Isla Strickland six months later on September 25th. They went to school together and their families owned nearby farms in Bowie County. Virgil's father, Jack Starks, moved his family to Arkansas in the late 1920s. And at the time of the 1930 census, Virgil was living with his parents on the farm in Homan, and Katie still lived in Bowie County. Okay. Now, on March 2nd, 1932, Virgil and Katie, each 22 years old, they married in Miller County, Arkansas. Okay. It was the second union of their families Charlie Starks, who was Virgil's older brother, and Gertie Strickland, who was Katie's older sister, had married earlier. Oh, so, yeah, isn't that sweet?
0: That's sweet.
2: Well, I mean, neither one of them were related, so. Nope. I mean, this perfectly have, it's perfectly good. Their
0: children will be double cousins, <laughs>
2: but hey. It's not incest, people. No, it's not. In March of 1946, Virgil and Katie celebrated their 14th wedding anniversary.
0: Oh, that's so sweet. Now, they
2: were childless and lived on a comfortable farm in the home and community of Miller County, Arkansas. Okay. About 10 miles northeast of Texarkana. Okay. They lived right on U.S. Highway 67, which was a major highway connecting Texarkana and Little Rock. Okay. They lived there about five years, and Charlie and Gertie Starks had a farm across the road from Virgil and Katie. That's sweet, too. Man, They're all, just so all so right
0: sweet. there together. It's going to make me cry.
2: <laughs> now, Virgil kept busy on their 500-acre farm and in his welding shop. He had, like, a little welding business. Did. Well, he had, like, a little business on the side where he did welding for people. Okay. And Katie was always busy in the house and working in the yard, something, you know, just See, doing farm my dream stuff. That's job, stay-at-home mom. Stuff.
0: <laughs> well, she wasn't a mom. She just. I don't want to be a mom, but I'd like to stay at <laughs> home. <laughs> so you just want to be Katie. Start. I just want to stay at home. Got gotcha. you.
2: At a time when few rural families had electricity, the Starks home did, and they had another rip They was uptown because yeah.
0: they didn't have kids, so, so they, they didn't could not to spend stuff. all that money on them kids. <laughs> See, people? I love kids, but they're expensive. <laughs> they
2: show off. Who are you telling? I got two of them little things. I know. They're expensive. They had another rural rarity for the time, a telephone.
0: Oh, my Lord. See, they were uptown. Uh, town.
2: And they were, I thought, I just wanted to say this because I found it and I thought it was interesting. They were listed in the Texarkana phone directory as 5016-W. That was their phone number.
0: That's so cool. (laughs) Takes me back to Mayberry days. I wonder if if their operator's name was Sarah. I could look that up in historical records. Okay, you do that. The first telephone operator in where? Holman, Arkansas? Yes. Okay.
2: Their white frame farmhouse set about a 100 feet off of the highway, and though it set off the highway, one, of the, one side of the house was in full view of anyone driving by. Right. And as you entered the front of the house, the entrance opened to the living area on the left and a bedroom on the right. OK? The kitchen and dining area were at the back
0: of the house. Now, why did they build houses like that back then? Well, that's just how they were. It was like this big hall with rooms off to the side.
2: Well, no, not this one. It was it just it, so opened it actually up. opened into yes, the living room. Yes, it was room. opening into the living room.
0: Okay, okay. Now
2: there was a middle room with an oak paneled sitting area that had like an easy chair and the radio and the telephone in that wow. little. They area. had a radio too. Yeah. Oh, my God. Heck,
0: yeah. These people were uptown. So they
2: had, like, a the living room, and then in the middle of the house was their little
0: sitting room, and then the kitchen and all in the back. I guarantee you that everybody on Saturday nights was at their house. (laughs) How much you want to bet? Well, I think by
2: 1946, pretty much everybody had a radio. They just didn't have telephone electricity. Not
0: everybody.
2: So a shop in which Virgil kept Mm -hmm. his welding equipment and other tools was nearby, the shop was a frame building with a roof and dirt floor with door, with a door on hinges, and there was a sign that read, Virgil Stark's Electric Acetylene Welding Work Guaranteed.
0: So. He had to put that electric in there like, mm-hmm. yeah, I got electricity. Y'all don't. I've got an electric welder. I,
2: you I, don't. I'm, I'm
0: the shit. You don't. I got a telephone, too, if y'all need to make a call yeah. while you're here.
2: I've got a phone. I've got an electric welder. I'm the you're shit. You're not me. You're not me.
0: You wish you were, but, but you're, you're not. not.
2: <laughs> now, Friday, May 3rd, was another long day for Virgil, and by the end of the day, his back was giving him fits I again. I imagine it was. Well, he just had back problems, so. I know how that feels, dude. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. Now, while Katie put away the supper dishes, Virgil sat in his easy chair in the room in the southwest corner of the house, a heating pad on his sore back.
0: He had a heating pad, too? Mm-hmm. Not just a hot water bottle? Nope,
2: it was a heating pad. Oh my It Lord. was electric. Let and me. I know it was electric because of what. Uh,
0: Everybody wanted to be these people. Yeah. These back people then. were the shit. They okay. were the shit.
2: So he had a heating pad on his back and was listening to the radio and reading the Texarkana Gazette newspaper.
0: And he gave a subscription to the newspaper. Mm hmm.
2: It was dark outside, and behind his chair, the window shade was halfway down, covering the upper portion of the window with a section of the curtain draped to one side. Okay. Now, shrubbery outside reached up to the bottom of the window sill, so it was high
0: shrubbery. Okay.
2: And like everyone else, Virgil and Katie had followed news of the Phantom
0: shootings, of course. Well, who everybody in the country probably did at that point. The Texas
2: cases had been in isolated lovers' lanes, but rural Arkansas still felt anxiety over the murders. And the case was of more than casual interest to the Starks because they had lived in Bowie County and still had a lot of friends and relatives there.
0: Well, and not only that, I mean, any rural area Mm -hmm. where there's not a lot around... Yeah, could be targets.
2: Yeah, and they were also really good friends with Bill Presley, who was sheriff at the time and was investigating the crime. So you know, their interest was increased. They for that knew reason. everything. Well, they didn't know everything, I'm but, just they were playing. Just, but they were um, just—they were the shits. Yeah. They knew everything. <laughs> I I, Sorry, I forgot. They You're were right. the shits. Now, well before nine o'clock, Arkansas State Troopers Max Tackett and Charlie Boyd. They drove their 1941 Ford State Police Patrol car by the Starks' house on their way from Texarkana to Hope, Arkansas, which is where the district headquarters for the state police were. They were um, hurrying to turn in their April expense accounts by 10 p.m. or they would not be reimbursed. <laughs>
0: so they were hauling they was They in a hurry. They were trying to get to Hope. I wonder whether that, that's where most of y'all are going in such a hurry, <laughs> isn't it? It's... I have figured it out. When you see them flying by, when you, you see them flying by, by, they're trying to get their expense reports turned in. On that time. is what you're doing. Yeah.
2: Now there was not much traffic as they drove along two lane Highway 67. And miles out, a few miles out of Texarkana, Tackett noted an old model car park, parked across the railroad track off a dirt road. Oh no. This no. this was near a road leading to a large stretch of timber called the Big Woods. Nothing ever, nothing good ever happens in the Big Woods. Um,
0: <laughs> y'all are original.
2: It's Big Woods. The Big Woods. It's the Where are y'all going? Oh, we're
0: going up to the Big Woods.
2: <laughs> What's well, going? I I don't even want to know what happens in the Big Woods. No, you don't. <laughs>
0: I don't want to Because know. what state? what happens in the big woods Stays needs to in, the stay big, in the Big Woods <laughs> needs
2: to stay in the big woods. Now patrons of bootleggers at times would park there in this go. area <laughs> waiting to for a delivery of moonshine.
0: Uh, they weren't waiting for a delivery.
2: Well I mean they were waiting for the people to come out of the big woods with their what they had ordered, what they yeah, had. Yeah, that's
0: why you don't want to go in the big woods. Yeah.
2: It was situated on their right as they drove north, maybe a 1,000 feet past the Stark's house on the left. Okay. The car was parked parallel to the railroad track, and it was headed north as if it had come from Texarkana. And that was pretty much really all they could tell about it in the dark. Now, ordinarily, they would have stopped and investigated...
0: But they had to get their expense report (laughs) right? because (laughs) people being murdered is less important than them getting reimbursed. uh,
2: Now, to their credit, they didn't assume that it was somebody. They assumed it was somebody buying moonshine. So it wasn't going to be a big deal. At that point,
0: though, when you've got three double, well, two double murders. Well, they're in Arkansas. All
2: that had happened in Texas. It doesn't matter. I'm just saying. Anybody
0: within... Any kind of radius that's fairly close should have been like, okay, wait a minute, what if this is this guy? Well, I mean, you, that wasn't what they were thinking. No, because they wanted their money. So, like,
2: well, I mean, I would too. Well, I, was, I would too. I would. But I
0: think that if in a case like that, they probably would have said, okay, we'll go ahead and give well, it to you.
2: So anyway, they were still in a hurry to get their expense reports turned in, and they decided that if the car was still sitting there, they would check it out on the way back.
0: Let me guess, it was gone. <laughs> So Virgil was looking recli- the Starks' driveway. <laughs> so
2: Virgil was reclined in his chair, his back to the window. Like I said, he was reading the newspaper and listening to a radio program that he always listened to on Friday nights. The window was closed, but the shade was up as he sat with his back to the window. Now Katie Starks had dressed for bed and lay on their bed in the next room. She called out to Virgil to come to bed. And he said that he would as soon as the story ended. A little later, Katie heard a noise in the backyard. She shouted to Virgil to turn the radio down a little because she heard a noise outside. Virgil didn't respond. Almost simultaneously, Katie heard what sounded like glass breaking. And she thought that Virgil had dropped something. So she gets up out of bed and hurries into the sitting room. Don't go in there. The radio was still playing, and she saw Virgil standing up in front of his chair. Then he immediately fell back and slumped over in his chair. Blood was running down his neck, and a pool of blood had formed on the floor. She saw holes in the window pane, and she rushed up and lifted his head and saw that he was bleeding and lifeless. Immediately, she recognized that he had been shot from outside the window. An intruder wielding a twenty two automatic weapon standing just outside the window, 18 to 20 inches from the pane, where he could see the back of Virgil's head, had shot twice, pulling the trigger immediately after the first shot. He fired through the screen and the window and pumped two bullets into the back of Virgil's head. Aww. One bullet went through the heating pad, short-circuiting it. She turned and raced to the hand-cranked telephone on the wall. The killer remained just outside the window, making no attempt to flee. And with the light on inside, the killer could see her, but she couldn't see him. And she never got to use the phone. Uh. When she reached it, the killer fired two more shots at her head. One bullet entered her cheek beside her nose and emerged from behind the ear. The other shot entered her lower jaw just below the lip. The shots crashed through her teeth, scattering fragments to the floor. She fell to the floor and lay there, stunned, but miraculously still alive. And though she was so seriously wounded and in full view of the killer in the well-lit room, she actually had the presence of mind to drop to the floor, stay there, and play dead so that he might believe he had killed her. Yeah, at that point you pretty much have to... Now, as she lay there, she didn't think that he would be able to see her from the outside. And sh- so she got on her hands and knees and inched her way to the back of the house. She crawled until she thought she was out of view from the outside and then went back into the bedroom. She knew that there was a forty-five revolver in one of the dresser drawers, but she wasn't ex- sure exactly where it was. And she figured that it would just be, you know, a real waste of precious time to look for it. So she thought maybe she could find some paper and pen and leave a note telling people what had happened if she didn't survive.
0: Mm. She didn't think
2: she's going to live. Now, after the shooting, after shooting her, the killer ran along the side of the house and around to the rear of the house and bounded up the steps to the porch. Then he entered the screen porch and broke into the house through the kitchen window. At this exact time, she opened the door from the bedroom into the kitchen and heard a noise and realized that someone was trying to come in the back door just off of the kitchen. And just as she entered the kitchen, she heard the man trying to enter the house through the kitchen window and then actually saw him climbing in through the window. All she saw was his leg and his knee. And her thought was that she had to get out of there.
0: Yeah. That she had
2: to go. So she stumbled back into the bedroom, through a little passageway, into another bedroom off of the living room, and then through the living room, got to the front door, and ran out of the house. Bless her heart.
1: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Now, her nightgown by this time is just soaked in blood. Well, yeah. She was barefoot and left a bloody trail in the house. She crossed the highway, then the railroad tracks, and she headed straight to her sister and brother-in-law's house, the Allen's house, who lived, like I said, almost directly across the highway. Right. Now, the killer had wasted no time in gaining entry to the house. And though his primary goal, it seemed, had become finishing off the only witness, he stopped for a moment before Virgil's body, staring down at his handiwork. And they know this because his—they had footprints of him just in one spot there. Then he headed out of the room to the front. The brief, which this brief halt while he's standing there looking at Virgil is may have what allowed Katie may have given her a few more minutes to get away. Now, Katie reached the Allen house, but no one was home. She then ran to the home of A.V. Prater, whose house was about 50 yards from the Allen house. She reached the Prater's home, knocked on the door, and called for help. She was bleeding profusely and just feeling weaker and weaker by the second. Prater came to the door, switched on the light, and luckily he recognized Katie immediately and grabbed his rifle and fired it from the front porch into the air to signal neighbors and maybe scare off whoever had done this. Elmer Taylor, another neighbor, heard the shot and rushed to Prater's house. Prater told him to get his car because Mrs. Starks had been shot, and they rushed her to Texarkana to Michael Meager Hospital just east of the state line. Ease and Katie in the front seat and the Praters and their baby in the back... Taylor lost no time in covering the ten miles, so he was He was going. He was going. Now I want to tell you how badass Katie Starks is, okay? That woman, (laughs) bless her heart. This lady, as bad as she's as bad a shape as she is as she is in, and everything she'd been through, Katie turned to the driver and handed him one of her dislodged gold teeth, which she had spit out and had clutched in her hand during her escape, and gave it to him as payment for taking her to the hospital.
0: <laughs> I think they would have done it for free, though. <laughs> but it's just like, here, my
2: teeth are in my hands. Take this for taking me to the hospital. Bless her heart. I know, right? I, I, And then... Yeah, so she's a badass is what I'm saying. She was in really bad shape. You think? She had been losing blood the whole time, and several of her lower teeth had been shot out. They drove to the emergency entrance of the hospital where a doctor hurried in, and the bullet striking her right cheek had, like I said, emerged from behind the left ear on the other side. So it went right through her, basically. It went right through her. She's lucky it didn't Mm -hmm. hit that spinal column. The bullet to her jaw had broken her lower jaw and lodged under her tongue.
0: Ugh.
2: I mean, it was a miracle that she was still even able to speak or anything. Now, while the doctor was amazed she, hasn't, she amazed that she had not bled to death, even more striking was that her pulse was normal and she showed no evidence at all of any shock, although she was still in critical condition. But she would survive her injuries.
0: People, that's just proof. If it's not your time to go, you're not going you're not anywhere. Going,
2: but that's, she, that's a badass right there.
0: And all while her husband's laying dead right. with that yeah. man chasing after her. Yeah. Now, troopers... I, there's probably the adrenaline that yeah, got her there, though. I absolutely. 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 If it hadn't have been for that, she yeah. wouldn't have made it.
2: But, I mean, you guys just still have the wheel to get up off that floor... And well, yeah. fight for your life. Oh, yeah. Now, troopers Tackett and Boyd, they had crossed the Red River Bridge and were back in Miller County when the call came in on their radio. They'd already passed the Starks' home about five miles from the Red River Bridge on their way back to Texarkana. And the old model car that they intended to check was gone when they had because come Because they sitting
0: in the Starks' driveway.
2: <laughs> so Tackett turned the car around in the middle of the highway, and he stomped on the gas. Both men were convinced the driver of the car they had seen had shot the Starks couple, and they would never change their minds about that.
0: Well, because they're right.
2: Now, Tackett and Boyd were the first officers on the scene. The lights were still on in the farmhouse, so they went inside with their guns drawn. Mr. Starks was still slumped over um, in his blood-soaked chair. Uh Uh-huh. The first thing they saw were a blood-stained floor and muddy footprints. Smoke filled the room where Stark's body lay, and Stark's armchair smoldered from fire caused by the short circuit of the electric heating pad. Mm. The victim's blood soaked into the chair and onto the floor. The body, however, was not burned. Even though smoke swirled all about the body and from between his legs, but it didn't burn the body. Huh. Within seconds, they ascertained, of course, that Starks was—he uh, was dead. He when was beyond he hit help. That chair yeah. Now they had to work fast to rope off the house and surrounding area in order to preserve any possible clues. So they began carefully isolating possible clues in the house by marking them. Yeah, but their efforts were almost for naught. Because minutes later, the house and grounds were were filled with lawmen from both sides of the state line. Some from as, even as far as 30 miles away. So everybody's just wanting to get in on this crime. Why
0: would they go rushing in that house when it's because a crime Because everybody, because
2: you, you, look, everyone raced to the scene as soon as the emergency message went out. Because they, you know, everybody wants to be a part of this. This is a big, everybody's thinking, well, this may have something to do with the, phantom murders so everybody wants to be a part of it instead of worrying about whether or not they're preserving evidence or and not. gonna they just,
0: catch the guy right
2: i mean that's you know it's just stupid we, we people see, we've seen it so many times it just they couldn't control the outsiders and according to tackett the incoming officers quote stomped out all possible evidence unquote Soon, it would be impossible to preserve any important clues the killer may have left behind as lawmen essentially got in each other's way. And like I've just said, as in other cases, we have, where everyone has wanted to be a part of the investigation at the expense of the evidence being lost or destroyed.
0: I and just they don't
2: get it. I, I mean, don't either, but we've heard it so many times. I mean, it just happened. It has not happened so much today, but back a, then it happened all the time.
0: They were trained back then that you don't just rush into a crime scene because these two guys were trying to mark the evidence, so they were
2: taught that. Right. But you want, but they just wanted to be part of it. it,
0: You know what? And it's, it's it's got
2: your, it's you having your priorities mixed up, basically.
0: I mean, you let's want... worry about catching the guy who just killed this man, whether he's the phantom killer or not. He still killed a man and tried to kill his wife.
2: It's the mentality that you want to be on TV like Lone Wolf oh, Gonzales. Screw know, Lone Wolf. It's just that mentality is what is, is what, and I don't, I mean, I don't feel bad about saying it. That's exactly what led to this.
0: Meanwhile, the man who tried, who shot these two people, right? even if he's not the phantom killer, He's still loose. He's still running loose. Yeah. And deserves to be punished, but he can't because y'all destroyed the evidence. Yeah.
2: Now, by the time Miller County Sheriff W.E. Davis, Chief Deputy Tillman Johnson, and, and Chief Deputy Til- Tillman Johnson arrived, the Starks Farm was, quote, a three ring circus. The city police and the FBI were already there, and even neighbors had started pouring into the house. So, the police that are there, the FBI, are letting neighbors come into the residence where a murder and an attempted murder took place. Where there has to be physical evidence everywhere. Everywhere,
0: because, I mean.
2: You know, so, Johnson would later state, quote, the house was wide open. Soon, people were tromping all over. I tried to seal off the scene, but by the end, much had probably been lost,
0: unquote. I'm That is that is the biggest reason right there that we have the problem today of po- different police precincts like sheriffs or whatever can only go so far to respond to a call now because you can't have every law enforcement yeah. 30 or 50 miles yeah, away. Yeah, I mean, they're just coming
2: there and that's not even their jurisdiction. They're just coming there because they want to be part of it. Right. And... Another, I'm going to stop right here and tell this story, even though I did not include it in what I was going to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I don't remember, I won't, I will say I don't remember if it was Johnson or Tackett. It may have been Tackett. Got a call one night after everything had cleared down, Had it was a couple of weeks after this, after these, this attack. Right. They got a call from the neighbors that the lights were on in the stark's residence well nobody was supposed to be there because it was a crime scene right? yeah nobody is supposed to so be there. i believe it i want to say it was tackett i'm thinking it was tackett anyway he and his partner they rush out there they you know sur- they they say they've got the house surrounded to come out with your hands up and guess who walks out who lone wolf gonzalez with a reporter because he was quote ring re-enact- reenacting the murder for her and letting her, allowing her to take pictures. You can't of the crime do scene. that in a crime scene. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just the mentality. Especially is what I'm on a
0: case that has nothing to do with the reason why you're in the area. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just the
2: mentality here. Now, scurrying about outside. Johnson first sought to cordon off the crime scene with whatever he could find. I mean, I guess they didn't even have crime scene tape because he did locate some telephone wire around the house and pulled it off and stretched it around to try to keep people out of there. Yeah, of course, it didn't work now, the sheriff's office left the inside of the house to the FBI agents and to the extent that they could they like y'all investigate that, and outside Johnson found three empty cartridge holes from a twenty-two caliber gun. Okay. Immediately, a blockade was thrown up on U.S. Highway 67 for several miles in both directions. Several men found in the general vicinity were picked up for questioning. If they they saw anybody, basically, they were picking up. Well, yeah, I
0: mean, but I can understand that. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're saying they're guilty, but I get that because they have no clue what's going on here.
2: Now, occupants of cars believed to have been in the area at the time of the shootings were also picked up. Neighbors were questioned, but none could offer up a possible motive. No one knew of any enemies that the Starks may have had. There were also some tenants who lived some distance behind the Starks' house. And in each of these two houses, there were two men who worked on nearby farms. And it was the men, along with their families, that lived in these houses. So those men were picked up. Right, And if anyone even faintly qualified as a suspect, like I said, he was picked up and taken in because they were trying to just get everybody, round up everybody they could in the area to question them. Now, within hours, Deputy arrested a dozen men and took them to jail for safekeeping until they had time to check out their stories. Sheriff Davis headed to the hospital to see if if he could talk with Katie Starks, but she was in surgery. Now officers inside the house found money in the house that had not been touched, and Katie's purse lay on the bed in full view containing both money and jewels. Nothing seemed to be missing from the house, and there was no evidence of ransacking or burglary. So this now this didn't necessarily mean the intruder hadn't intended to rob the house. That may have been his plan, but that plan had gone awry the moment Katie ran to that telephone. Right. Because then he's like, well, she's about to call the police. So, Now, from that point, the killer apparently concentrated his efforts on eliminating her and then on escaping. The thought was that if he had simply wanted to kill Virgil and nothing else, that he had ample time to shoot him and then take off. Yeah. But he had lingered until Katie had appeared. They found what some believed to be the killer's bloody footprints on the linoleum floor. He had gone into the sitting room, apparently inspected Virgil's body, and then stepped into a pool of blood nearby, which was either, I don't know if it was Virgil or Katie's, but one of them. The Texarkana Gazette that Starks had been been reading, it lay on the floor, of course, splattered with blood. Uh Uh-huh. The killers lingering by his victim's body while Katie was fleeing pointed toward his desire to survey what he had done, basically. He wanted to see what he had done. So with him wanting to see what he had done, that just kind of gives you the most, I think that he was just there to kill.
0: Yeah, most killers are like that. They're sick individuals. Yeah,
2: I just don't, this doesn't seem like his intent was to rob. No, Or he would have just got, I mean,
0: he I don't there, know why he would have killed he, him. I don't
2: know why he would have went in a house where the lights were on and somebody was still up. Yeah. Just you know, go to a house, go to the house that's dark across the street. Yeah. Where nobody's home.
0: You know. So. But I mean, unfortunately, because these people are sick, most killers will stop Yeah. And just.
2: Well, that, I'm just I'm just saying that that just kind of shows me that this wasn't yeah, this no. wasn't a robbery or no. anything. He was there to kill. Now there was some evidence found at the scene. The killer had dropped a red flashlight outside in the hedge beneath the window where where he shot Virgil. It was a two-cell light with a black barrel, red rimmed around the glass, okay? The 22 bullets and shells were collected and the cases apparently came from an automatic or semi-automatic weapon because of the closeness of the holes in the window and it was believed to be an old model twenty-two Colt Woodsman. Okay. The gun was unlikely to have been a pump or a bolt-action rifle, which would have created a different shot pattern. Mm-hmm. And the way that what they're saying is that it was probably an automatic because it appeared that the shots were too close together in the right. window for him to have to pump or do and then take, re-aim and because it seemed the shots came right. He just
0: aimed once yeah. and pulled the trigger. Right
2: twice. Right. Now, the bloody footprints only provided an approximate clue, but helped track the killer's steps. Officers immediately, of course, started asking, hey, is this tied to the killings in Texas? Is this the Phantom? Oh, yeah, I mean. Now, Miller County Sheriff Davis pointed out that a different gun and different caliber was used, but he didn't close the door on the possibility. He was just pointing out, hey, this is a different caliber gun. It's a different gun. It may not be the same person. Mm-hmm. The flashlight was turned over to the FBI agents because they wanted them to look for fingerprints. They weren't thinking that the, they were thinking the killer probably used gloves and they weren't expecting to find fingerprints on the actual flashlight. But they thought, well, it might be on the battery. Right. Maybe he didn't think to use gloves when he was putting in the battery or something. So, the tracks left by the killer seemed to be about a size 10, and they had a retouched shoe sole, which apparently had been loose, and the corner of the cut-off sole had been folded back, leaving a triangular imprint. So, it was kind of a distinct footprint. Yeah. Footprints appeared to have gone out the front door and down to the edge of the highway, He apparently had run about 200 yards along the highway and then crossed to the other side and continued running beside the railroad tracks about a quarter mile away where Tackett and Boyd had spotted the parked car. Now, making a plaster cast of the track in the house was pretty much out of the question because it's on a flat surface Mm -hmm. and it's not very but you can take well, pictures. Well, what they did is they just cut that portion of the, linole- the linoleum out. Or you can out just cut the floor out and took it with them. <laughs> Whatever. Now there were so, but the problem with that was there were so many people tracking in and out of the house that some wondered if that track even belonged to the killer or not. That's true. They weren't. They there's no way they could be sure. This is
0: why you don't do that, people.
2: Yep. Yep. Um. Bloodhounds were brought in to try to track the killer. But so
0: many people had been in and out of that house till... Yeah, that was my next sentence.
2: But by the time the bloodhounds arrived on the scene, a multitude of tracks and scents complicated their work. Exactly. Men were milling around inside and outside of the house, so they
0: got a lot... They got a lot of different scents and didn't know which one to follow.
2: Now, the dogs did pick up a scent and weren't able to track it a little piece. Um... The, kill like,
0: the only way they might could have gotten around that was to let them sniff the flashlight. True.
2: But then but again... then again, it it's, might... It's plastic. But if people
0: had been walking all over his, where
2: he had walked anyway, it's gonna, still going to be hard for them to pick up but just they could, his they scent. But could, they
0: could pick it up if they had just his scent to sniff. The problem well, was... Well, they weren't able... They couldn't pick just his scent out because of so many people. Well,
2: they were able to pick up a scent. And they followed it, Um, apparently, across crossed over the highway, gone down the railroad track, and escaped probably by a car that he had parked nearby.
0: You know, that car that you two saw when you were too worried about.
2: your. (laughs) And this scenario did coincide with Tackett's belief that the parked car he and Boyd seen was the gunman's. So I think that we can all say... That that was probably the killer's car. Yeah, I think. So a contingent of state police officers, they come in, and they're um, going to do a report on the gunshots. So they're detailing the precise measurements of the gunshots, citing distances from the ground to the window, how far apart the bullet holes were in the window, and what they gathered was apparent that uh, the gunman had not changed his stance outside judging from the horizontal closeness of the two sets of bullet holes, which is like what we were just talking about. The lower holes through which Virgil had been shot were 32 inches from the floor. The upper holes through which Katie was shot were 42 inches from the floor. Okay. So I'm guessing he had, stood up, I guess, that he was probably knelt for either
0: crouched or,
2: or he, he had to move gun, up.
0: He had the gun pointed down a little bit to shoot Virgil yeah. and then just brought it up and turned it a little bit Maybe. to shoot.
2: The policeman extricated one bullet from the north wall 56 inches from the floor. So it was obvious that was in an upward trajectory because 42 inches was the height that the bullet, bullet, the highest clean. bullet went in and if this was and if the bullet was found fe- unless it was deflected by something
0: it could have been like a human jaw yeah now
2: from the numbers when you're looking at all this it could be seen how katie had saved her life by dropping to the floor where the assassin could not get a third shot or a fourth shot in her mm-hmm And in addition to the bloody footprint found on the kitchen floor, a similar footprint was found near the driveway entrance to the yard, about 50 yards from the corner of the house. Four tracks were lifted between a cottonwood tree and a willow tree. So they've got, you know, quite a bit of footprints that they think belong to the killer. They also found footprints near Stark's welding sign suggesting the killer had gone maybe first to the shop looking for something to steal before walking toward the house. So casts were made of those prints. But it was problematic because of the indistinct condition of the tracks, whether they could be used to accurately match a shoe or boot, because they right. weren't very... It had been raining a lot, and it was in mud, so they weren't very distinct footprints. Right. Now, tire tracks across the highway and the railroad track where Tackett and Boyd had spotted that car Uh showed that a car had turned around at that point in order to get back onto the highway. Okay. But it was not possible to tell which direction the car had taken had turned on the highway. So they don't know if it went toward Texarkana or toward Little Rock. They don't know. Right. Right. A fence almost directly across the highway from where the car had been parked divided Stark's land from his neighbours. And it was about a thousand feet from the fence to the house. Their house. Okay. And Johnson he strode this fence line trying to see if he had um could see any prints or anything or any evidence there. And there was a portion that had been plowed. And it was wet from the rain. Right. So I'm guessing maybe they were having a little garden there or something. Now, Johnson checked the plowed ground looking for any prints. And about 100 feet from the highway, he found footprints crossing over the plowed field in the direction of the house.
0: So he went from his car across the field up to the shop between those trees. Yes. So he was trying to hide. Yeah, he
2: was trying not to be seen on the highway is what it was. He could walk down that fence line.
0: Over he was probably already out of the car when those two Oh absolutely troopers I, went I by the first so. time. I would
2: think so. He'd come directly from across the highway where Tack and Boyd had seen the parked car. He had taken that route, like I said, not to so that he wouldn't be seen from the highway. And recent plowing along with the rain had left the soil soft. So none of the prints were really ideal, Uh like I said, but there was one that was a little better than the others. Okay. However, it was still going to be difficult to match anything to it. It wasn't really distinct. Right. But Johnson was sure that he had found the path that the killer had taken. Oh, yeah. Now... Officers also found several cigarette butts near where the suspicious car had been parked, indicating that if the butts had been left by the killer, he had smoked them while waiting to walk across the highway. Mm-hmm. So they're thinking, Well maybe he sat here waiting on it to get dark, completely dark or you know, whatever. But I mean it's also possible that those butts were left weren't left by the killer. Well yeah. I mean, they who knows. Right. Now, as with the previous murders, there was no clear motive, and none of the evidence found yielded any in- useful information. The flashlight had no fingerprints. The twenty-two caliber gun that killed Virgil Starks was an automatic or semi-automatic weapon, but the bullets were in too rough a condition for them to concretely determine if they came from a rifle or a pistol, so they don't even right. know what type of gun they're looking for. They put pictures of the flashlight in newspapers across the nation, but nothing came of that either. And they they did find that there was a hardware store in town that sold that specific flashlight. And as it turns out, there weren't that many sold in that area. But then again, they didn't have records of who bought them.
0: You right. know, what I mean,
2: it's not like anybody had a, would have a credit card record or something of who purchased them. Right. Now, several distinct features of the Starks case argued for it being the phantom killer also, you know, being a continuation of these serial killings rather than a robbery, a grudge slaying, or some kind of crime of passion. Because there were rumors that got out about this, too, that it was, you know, somebody holding a grudge, that that Virgil was having an affair or something like that, none of which turned out to be true, but... Now, the similarities that linked, that appeared to link the cases were it was couples as victims. Mm-hmm. They killed or disabled the male first. Right. Two shots in at each victim. Now, the exception to that was Paul Martin, but, you know, because he had four gunshots. But it looked like that he had actually been shot two at a time. Like, he was, the first two he was shot with. Right. Then it appeared that the killer realized that he still wasn't dead and shot him two more times. Right. So it's two shots, two shots, two shots into each victim. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
2: An automatic weapon was used. Now, granted, it was not the same caliber, but it was still an automatic. They were... He picked vulnerable victims at night. Mm Mm-hmm. He used a flashlight in at least two and possibly all of the cases, but they know at least two. Right. Right. We know that the same 32 automatic killed the previous four victims. Right, well, we know yeah. 3 Yeah. because they didn't test
0: T- test the fourth, fourth one. one
2: but they we're assuming that the third the same 32 automatic killed the Maybe previous it's four. The victims. Only
0: one that had the 22s then.
2: <laughs> Right. Now a 22 automatic rifle or pistol was used in the Starks case. But knowing that the police were looking for a 32 automatic, he may have changed guns. Because a twenty two rifle or pistol wasn't suspicious at all. Everybody has a t- had a twenty two. Yeah. That was the most, you know,
0: it's still the most common. Common raw,
2: right? Now, arguments seeking to derail the one killer theory pointed out that, of course, a different weapon was used in the Stark slings. That the victims were at home in a house and not in the secluded but, lovers lane, but they were still like, in a secluded right. area, and that the victims were older, but like we just said, he obviously could have changed his weapon to a more common, less conspicuous caliber. Uh-huh. Also, by then he had a more restricted cast of potential victims to choose from because where else was he going to find somebody but in their home? Because everybody, nobody was hanging out at the lovers' lanes right.
0: anymore. He screwed himself on that. Right.
2: Right. <laughs> they were being watched. Teenage, he you knew teenagers weren't hanging out there anymore. Thousands of people were just in their homes with the doors locked and, you know, Lover's Lanes were too hot to explore because they were full of cops at this time. Right. He had to pick a different place to hunt his prey, essentially. Mm -hmm. If the killer was a different one settling that may have been settling a grudge against Starks, why did he linger just outside the window after he had shot Starks dead until Katie entered the room? It couldn't have been to eliminate a witness because she had not witnessed the shooting. Right. She was in the bedroom. He didn't. He wouldn't have seen her. Until she walked right. out. The shooter had not seen her until she entered the room. That's right. He could have shot and ran and escaped before she even came into the room. Mm-hmm. If that was his sole purpose. So what had he waited for? Her to come out. Was it just to see what she looked like? Now, if that were the reason, wouldn't it be reasonable to assume that if this was somebody with a grudge, he already that he would her. have known both of the Starks and known what she looked like? Yeah. Wouldn't you think? I mean, that oh, would yeah. be a reasonable, a reasonable yeah. assumption to make.
0: That's a crock of bull. That's, it wasn't a grudge or anything. Yeah. I think that it's more than
2: obvious that he shot her to keep her from using that telephone.
0: Well, yeah, because he wasn't even trying to shoot her yet until she went for that telephone. Right.
2: He didn't shoot her as soon as she came out. So, I don't think he was trying to eliminate her at that point in any way. Not at that point. Not at that point. But, if he had been a man who lived in that community, he would have known the Starks had that phone. Yep. Because it was so rare... That everybody, everybody knew they
0: everybody had that telephone. Everybody knew they had that
2: phone. He could have cut the phone line before he even fired the which gun on Virgil. Which
0: lets you know that he wasn't mm-hmm. from that area. Yeah,
2: the fact that he did not, to me, proves that he didn't know about that phone and therefore didn't know the Starks. Everyone in that community knew they had that telephone. Oh, yeah. But a stranger would not have known no. that. They, he wouldn't have probably... It was so rare at that point, he wouldn't have even guessed that they would have had one. No. Because out in the middle of a rural area like that.
0: Nowadays, if somebody's going to go into a house, that'd be one of the first things right, they look for. Right, But back then, because it was such a rarity... Right.
2: I mean, they, he, we, we wouldn't have assumed a, that they would have had one. Right.
0: You didn't go into a house looking for a telephone. Right.
2: Now, they thoroughly checked out every suspect. And while there was... Isn't anything that directly ties the attacks of the Starks to the other killings? I think it's more than possible that the Texas Phantom was also the Arkansas killer. Oh, yeah. Now, the murder of Virgil Starks and attempted murder of Katie Starks marked the last of the murders attributed to the Texarkana Phantom killer. They may have been the last. They may not have been.
0: But we will get. They to were that. the last in that area, right? But
2: we'll talk about that in our next episode. But right now, I want to go into talking about a little, a few suspects, a few more suspects.
0: Oh Lord, I'm confused. Okay, <laughs> what are you confused about? We've had so many suspects. I'm just confused. Okay. So who the heck is was the Texas, was the Texas Arcana Phantom Killer? Who was it? Uh, it was a guy. <laughs> Who had a gun. Yep. You're exactly right. Who liked to kill couples. You're right. And he would would kill the man first Mm -hmm. and then go rape, try to rape the woman or rape her and then kill her. Okay. That's all I know.
2: All right. Well, the answer. And he has blue eyes. The short answer to this is we still don't know the answer to that. (laughs) But don't ask (laughs) me how I know he has blue eyes, but he has blue eyes. But they did give some suspects. That they did have some suspects that came out of the investigation. Now, on Wednesday, May the 8th, it was announced that an escaped German prisoner of war was considered a suspect. He was described as a stocky 24-year-old weighing 187 pounds with brown hair and blue eyes. The POW had stolen a car in Mount Ida, Arkansas, and attempted to buy ammunition in several eastern Oklahoma towns. Meanwhile, late at night on Tuesday, May 7th, a 45-year-old black man named Herbert Thomas was flagged down by a hitchhiker in Kilgore, Texas. Okay. The hitchhiker offered him $5 and said that he needed a ride to Henderson because his mother was seriously ill. Now Thomas said that, of course, he would not normally have given the man a ride, but he felt that he needed to. This was
0: before the movie. Yeah, came because out. of the
2: sad story, because you know this guy's story. Like, I gotta get home and see my mom. Yeah, they had obviously not seen Texas Chainsaw. No, right, this
0: was before the movie you came know. out, and this was Texas too. So, right, but
2: you know they didn't know what was going on. They didn't know. When they, it's ne- a white farmhouse, <laughs> right. Now, when they neared Henderson, the hitchhiker pulled out a pistol and told Thomas to keep driving or he would kill him like he killed the five people in Texarkana. He actually mentioned... Five
0: people? Oh, that's yeah. right, because she didn't get killed. She didn't die. Right.
2: And he actually mentioned Paul Martin and Betty Jo Booker by name, but their names were everywhere I in I was newspapers. fixing to
0: say they were everywhere. Yeah.
2: The man told Thomas that he was not done killing and that he was going to return to Texarkana to kill Martin's father. But he obviously didn't know what he's talking about because Martin's father was already dead.
0: Well, he just wanted to be sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had been dead for several years. Well, he still, he just, he wanted to be sure.
2: <laughs> the man then ordered Thomas to turn around in Lufkin and drive him back to Kilgore and threatened that if Thomas followed him, he would trail and kill Thomas. The man then stole back the $5 he had given Thomas, as as well as an additional $3.
0: You could have at least let him keep the $8, (laughs) dude. I mean, shit.
2: Now, Thomas drove back to Kilgore and reported the incident to the police. He described the man as being 5 feet 8 inches tall, about 130 pounds, approximately 27 or 28 years old, with red hair, and wearing khaki trousers and a GI jacket.
0: Definitely not from Texas. Yeah.
2: (laughs) During that same night in Lufkin, a local resident named Robert Atkinson spotted a peeping Tom in his window. Oh. Atkinson grabbed a flashlight and chased after the man, but he escaped. Atkinson not done yet he got in his car and went looking for the guy Yep, because this is texas (laughs) this is texas (laughs) atkinson caught the man that he believed was the peeping tom but the man convinced atkinson that he was not the window peeper and that he had just taken his girlfriend home so atkinson i guess believed him and let the guy go you know that was the guy but he later heard the story about Thomas and decided to notify the police about the experience. Atkinson described the man he saw as five feet nine inches tall, wearing khakis, and had hair that could have been dark red. Yep,
0: not from Texas.
2: Now Gonzalez stated, "Quote: When he was giving of one course. of his when he was giving one of his press conferences." Quote. We don't believe that the man who killed the five people here in the past 6 weeks would boast about his crimes. Yes he would. And then let the negro go. <sighs> I mean Okay, the negro. first of all,
0: yes, he would boast that's about his crimes. That's a quote that's not my words. He <laughs> would boast about his crimes because hello, that's what they do. Yeah. They want to be known. Want it to be known that they do this stuff. Yeah. That's what they do.
2: <laughs> now, it's I, it's unsure whether the man in each instance was the same man but it is suspected that it was the same man in each of these three incidences
0: well i mean that's kind of i'm telling you he would stand out in texas like (laughs) (laughs) so the police kept searching for the
2: pow but they were never able to find or question him so we don't know what happened to this guy i don't even know why he was a suspect to begin with
0: I'm not. Other I, than he was an I'm not he was, he was I, I, out of town. He was German. and from out of town and not Texan. Well, at that time, Germans were not <laughs> well liked people. So, and, you know, I'm just saying that that's that's the only reason I can find. But I'm not happy with Gonzalez anyway. I mean, you go to another state where you have no jurisdiction, walk into a crime scene yeah. just because a reporter wants pictures. Right. Yeah, that pissed me off. He could have been. I, I wasn't I, even was, going to
2: put that in. I didn't put it in my story that I wrote, but I, I just think he should have been arrested up. for that. Yeah.
0: Honestly, because they could have arrested him in Arkansas. He's a Texas Ranger, not an Arkansas Arkansas Ranger.
2: Now, on Friday, May the 10th, in Atoka, Oklahoma, a man walked up to a woman's house and opened her screen door. (laughs) He asked...
0: Candy Graham. Candy Graham. (laughs) Who is it?
2: Now, Mrs. Harmon was the lady, and he asked her if he could have some turpentine, some food, and some money.
0: What the fuck? (laughs) Those are the three things well, now, that turpin- he wanted. Okay, money, I could see you need to buy more food or gas. The food, okay, you can't go without eating the turpentine. Maybe he's. Uh, does get stains out. Maybe. Now, Mrs. Harmon told the man that she had
2: very little turpentine, so she didn't have any turpentine to spare, you gotta and had no got money turpentine. or food. The man then grabbed Mrs. Harmon by the hair and dragged her out onto the porch. He told her that he might as well kill her because he had already killed three or four people and that he was going to rape her. He then heard a horse galloping towards them and told her, quote, There comes a man on a horse. If you report this to officers, I'll come back and kill you. No, you won't. Unquote. Now, after the man ran off, the woman took her child with her to a neighbor's house further up the street
0: and called the police. So they had a phone too. Was that the Starks house before they? Got <laughs> no, this was okay. in Oklahoma. Oh, okay. That's right. This was in Oklahoma. Yeah.
2: Now, soon after she reported this, a widespread search for the man, you know, including, it included 20 officers and 160 residents. So they're trying to find this guy.
0: Funny how the residents are more interested in finding it than the officers. Well, I
2: think that that's the only best officers they have. Oh, okay. Now, she described the attacker as a white man, about 5'9 to 5'10, 40 to
0: 45 years old. Let me guess. Dark red hair. (laughs) Anyway, 40
2: to 45 years old, about 150 to 155 pounds, with dark hair, who was badly in need of a shave. He gained some weight, didn't he? Well, I just don't think it's the same person. He carried an open 5-inch bladed pocket knife and was wearing gloves, a faded, worn blue shirt khakis, and an old, dirty, dark-colored floppy hat. Now, police arrested a suspect that closely matched the description. The suspect had the same type of gloves that Mrs. Harmon described as being worn by her attacker. Yeah. The man was also wearing blue clothes and khakis. However, the pocket knife that he found... That, they had, that he had on him, the blade was a lot shorter than five inches. But, I mean, I I mean could, if, if, you've if got she's a, freaking out, yeah. it's, it may look bigger than it actually Well, was. when it's coming
0: at you and it's yeah. telling you you're going to kill you, that thing looks like a sword. I mean, I'm yeah. telling you. <laughs> and
2: this man was also cleanly shaven. So, after investigating the suspect, officers did not believe that this man was the Phantom. And according to the man's story, he'd been bumming around the country so... He could not have been in Texarkana at the time Virgil Starks was killed. Well, no, he could have. I mean, he could have been lying, but, I mean, he could have. The man said that he had left Pine Bluff in the latter part of April and went to Colorado. Now, officers stated that they were going to thoroughly check his story, and I guess they did because we don't hear anything else about this guy. So I'm guessing that he was either cleared or they just... Followed up on their assumption that they didn't think that it was the phantom killer.
0: What if it was him?
2: I don't know. I don't know. I can't tell you any more else about it. That's all I've got. Okay. Now, on Thursday, May twenty third, 1946, a 20-year-old ex-Army machine gunner by the name of Ralph B. Bowman told Los Angeles police that he thought he might have been the phantom. Uh, How do you
0: think you might be a killer?
2: (laughs) Quote, I've been in a coma, running from something, maybe murder. I want to clear it up. If I didn't kill five people in Texarkana, I want to settle down and be a stuntman in Hollywood. I'm happiest when I'm living in danger, unquote. The fuck?
0: (laughs) Dude, dude.
2: Now, previously, he had gone to the Los Angeles Examiner and told a reporter, quote, I want to sell you some murder information. I know who and where the Texarkana killer is. Give me $5 and let me have a half hour start and I'll put the information in a sealed envelope, unquote. So the reporter, of course, called the police after reading the following. This was, they made the deal and this was what the note said. Quote, on a certain day in March, I was in a Texarkana theater watching a, a news picture of war. When a party of persons acted wise and said they were overacting, it kind of got me. I followed them home. I killed them within a period of three days, unquote. Police arrested the redhead at a downtown shooting gallery. He had just shot his 23rd bullseye in a row from a twenty-two caliber rifle. Bowman said, quote, I'm my own suspect. I don't know what that's supposed
0: to mean. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't think this guy's the killer. I don't I know think what that means. He does need some help. I don't know what that means.
2: <laughs> he claimed to have been in a coma for several weeks. He said that he woke up from the coma on May the third with his rifle missing and heard about a suspect matching his description, which was the guy we were talking about previously. He then hitchhiked to Los Angeles, feeling like he was running for murder. Bowman said that he was discharged in 1945 for being a psychoneurotic. You think? The chief of police said, quote, I feel that the man is certainly a mental case. It's very professional.
0: Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but there's no easy way to put that. I mean. The
2: Texarkana killings could have been the work of a mental case, and as far as we know, this man could have done it. But we have absolutely no facts. They will have to be developed if they exist, unquote. Gonzalez stated that several parts of the man's story had little basis in fact. Gonzalez just needs to go away. <laughs> so I don't know. That man, um, he did not, they cleared him anyway, and he was not consider- considered a serious suspect. He was considered a man with emotional and mental disorders well, yeah it was not taken seriously a
0: lot of people with mental disorders will do that they'll see a case like in the newspapers and stuff like that and they'll go to the police swearing that they're the killer even though they were nowhere in the area when it happened
2: right which funny you should mention that because we're about to talk about a couple of those guys <laughs> <laughs> the shreveport police then arrested a man for confessing to the crimes The man was arrested at a bar after unknowingly telling his story to a news reporter. (laughs) The reporter promised the man a fifth of whiskey if he would tell all he knew. So, Chief Deputy Johnson, he gets sent to Louisiana to find out what's going on. What's this this guy's story? Because
0: you know, a (laughs) guy in a bar is always trustworthy. So. He arrived from
2: Texarkana to question the man, and he immediately recognized the man as a Texarkana alcoholic who had already confessed to the murders one time before.
0: Hey, dumbass, (laughs) you didn't commit (laughs) these murders.
2: Calling the man out by name, Johnson said, quote, You know you didn't kill those people. What you going to do
0: this for? (laughs) Wasting my time.
2: The drunk replied, well, hell, I got to get
0: the whiskey out of it.
2: So, I mean... That's, nobody's even taking this seriously. Officer Mac, T- Max Tackett recalled that nine people tried to convince him that they were the phantom. He said, quote, But in every case, they could not have been, for their stories didn't jive with what we knew were the detailed facts of the case. You don't tell everything you know about a case. When it gets into the paper, the real criminal finds out how much you know, and the confessors will fit those facts into their confessions. You keep yourself two or three pertinent facts to protect yourself from crackpots. And
0: that's why they do that, people. Exactly.
2: Now, it was thanks to Max Tackett that authorities got their first real break in this case. Tackett realized a, a pattern. He noticed that on the nights of the murders, a car would be stolen, and that on the same night, a previously stolen car would be found abandoned.
0: Hmm...
2: So it looks like that somebody's stealing a car doing the crime, and then so it's never the same stealing another car, car twice. right on friday june twenty eighth nineteen forty six tackett found a car in a parking lot that had been reported as stolen, so he stakes out this car and waits for whoever's driving it to come back to the car. He then arrested a twenty one year old girl named Peggy Sweeney Sweeney, yes. She said that she had just gotten married earlier that day in Shreveport, but that her husband was currently in Atlanta, Texas, trying to sell another stolen car. And her husband's name was Yule Sweeney. Okay. And that's where we're going to leave it for this week. And we're going to pick up talking about old Yule Sweeney next week and find out what, if anything, he has to do with these cases. All right. All right. So. <laughs> Sounds promising. Sound promising, huh? We'll
0: promising. To, promising. I we'll have to wait for next week. She's got a pajab to do.
2: i <laughs> got a pajab to do. It's my job <laughs> to tell you all about these murders. I do want to um, mention the references again for this episode. It's pretty much the same ones from last time. It's a, the book The Phantom Killer by James Presley. Um, some videos released by the Texas Arcana Museum System, with presentations given by Jeremy Kennington and John Tennyson. There's an article by Prudence McIntosh at texasmonthly.com, an article by Christy Stockton at thoughtcatalog.com, and an article by Field Walsh at txktoday.com, and I guess I will credit the FBI site that has all the PDFs of their files on this case. i did look at those so i guess i need to give that credit
0: i don't know they're i mean they're losing my confidence every day you know
2: i don't i guess i will and now it's time for our crafty criminal of the week Yay! and i need to also put the disclaimer that we know these people are not crafty and can barely be called criminals yes
0: but i don't (laughs) know now some (laughs) of them are pretty crafty that
2: one last week was
0: pretty crafty yeah, you know. I think he does that on he, purpose. Because he just
2: needed somewhere to stay for the night. And didn't have no money, right. so he's like, well, I'll just go in here and they'll arrest me. <laughs> now, this one I'm not too sure about. Okay. There was a woman in Somerset, Massachusetts. Okay? There was? Yeah. Wow. There was. And she <laughs> was arrested for breaking and entering. But she, they were able to quickly catch her thanks to an, her ankle bracelet that was a, fitted with a GPS system. That she had gotten from the police. You think? For being on probation from an earlier
0: charge of breaking and entering. (laughs) Dumbass. Oh, they'll never catch me. So that is our Crafty Criminal of the Week. Yay! These people. Y'all sit out there and y'all want to say, how stupid. Well, of course they're Stupid. (laughs) So, If they had weren't stupid, they wouldn't have done all this <laughs> in the first place.
2: They're crafty. No. Like I said,
0: like I said,
2: they're not really crafty and can barely yeah. be called criminal. Now, don't forget that you can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash one crime pod. Our mini safe for April is out, so that's on there um, in which we discuss the murder of Kevin Potts. Uh, so you can check that out if you wish to. Uh, you can also check out our merch at t public slash one crime pod. Again, I'm gonna put all the a link to all of this on our on this week's episode description. So you don't have to write anything down. Just hit a link and it'll take you there. And also remember you can email us at onecrimeatatime at a time at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are at one crime pod on all of those. And The biggest thing you can do to help us out is go rate us and give us a written review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. We would really, Mm -hmm. really, really, really greatly appreciate it. Yes. And I also need to say this week to be sure you catch out this, check out this week's episode (laughs) of the podcast, The Coolness Chronicles, and you will hear yours truly in an interview that I did with that show. I was interviewed by host Ryan Rodriguez. We discussed our podcast, some background on how we got here. And we discussed the greatness that is the movie Raising Arizona, so <laughs> be sure to check
0: that out. I and <laughs> I just want to say go check out our other podcast too. I promise that in two weeks we're coming back on a regular basis. Yeah, out
2: in the sticks. You can go find that anywhere. I know it's Anywhere been you're, kind you're listening of, to this, you can find I, that there.
0: It's been kinda of touch and go here lately, but I promise.
2: That's Christina's pet and
0: it, it, it's i let her do it that. Take, it takes a lot of time.
2: <laughs> hey, Jose, who are you telling? So. I mean,
0: well, you pretty much, I mean, these cases, you can pretty much put it in and a whole bunch of stuff come up. Sometimes you really <laughs> have to look for the information on this other I stuff. Have I have to mean, look,
2: really look for new information that people don't know. That's the I problem mean, I can run into. But
0: I do it. I do it for you guys. But I want to give one state the biggest shout-out because it doesn't matter what you look up in that state, and it's Alaska. There's, like, pages and pages and pages. Who's running the Alaska website? You are awesome. <laughs> you, Alaska. You, you people are awesome. There is just, like, I went on two websites when I was looking up something in Alaska, and there was, like, two websites, all the information I needed. <laughs> Not now you you don't have the St Augustine Lighthouse date <laughs> yet, but you're getting but they're, there. They're close. You're close. All right, one day, you will get there. Okay.
2: All right, guys. So I guess, um, like I said, be sure to check out "It's the Coolness Chronicles" with Ryan. So check that out. And until next week, remember only dive into one crime at a time. Bye. Bye. Bye.